and welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptoss, C70 the Bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Nichols from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. We last week left this show with the Cardinals one game out of the wild card and really kind of thinking, hmm, this is not a, maybe there's something to this team. Tara, now they are, depending on what the Phillies do tonight, and they're losing right now, um, they are possibly three games up in the wild card spot and have, you know, what, two weeks, 14 games or so left to play. Um, it was a really, really good week for the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll say this is the kind of week that we haven't seen from them in a very long time. Uh, not that they haven't swept back-to-back series, but they did it against teams that they absolutely had to beat this week. And that's what they were not doing even just two weeks ago, right? We talked about mm-hmm. this team as one that couldn't win the games that they should win or that they absolutely had to win. And that's what kept us from feeling like they were even capable of going on a run to cl- claim a wild card spot against all odds right but Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're looking like that team and i'll be honest they look like a completely different team and i know winning fixes a lot of things and we all talk about that there was so much commentary about the crowds at bush and how electric it was and it was like well yes because (laughs) because they're winning and they're back in a playoff spot and all of a sudden these games don't just matter in terms of how close can they get but in terms of how secure can they make that playoff spot? So yeah, I I think fans are going to be a little more invested once you start winning, just like players play with a little more energy once you start winning and all of that kind of comes together to feel electric, if nothing else by comparison to what we've seen most of the year. But great to see a great week. It's an odd position to be in looking at this team and thinking, okay, what, But what really are they? (laughs) Because we've said so many times this year, maybe they really are just an average team that isn't going to be able to win in those games where they absolutely have to. And it there was a, a, a switch that got flipped in the last week or so. And I don't know how you do that. We've talked about that before. Is it just, is it a thing that you do mentally where you're just like, we're done losing now. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for playing along. Or is it just because things start to click physically? Or did someone say something in the clubhouse that... I I don't know. I don't know what the change is. And maybe it's just the simple reality that guys are playing well at the same time. But I do think there is a sense of momentum. And there is a feeling of building off of the last performance. And where that hurt them, you know, a month ago two months ago where they were kind of, you know, you got to a point in a game where they were leading by less than four runs and you felt like, well, there's no way this is going to hold up. Yeah. And instead in the last eight games, you feel like, Ooh, they might actually pull this off. And how you go that far from extremes (laughs) in a week's time, I don't know, but it's fun to watch. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, it's not that everything has been fixed. There have right. been a couple of situations, like today, when the Cardinals were five in the first and eight runs barely survived it because the bullpen <laughs> arms that were used to succeeding, right? I mean, they put out, they threw out the eight team, if you will. Um, pretty much every good arm got used today, and, and they held, 
but it was uh, a little bit more nerve wracking than we would have liked. But yeah, it feels like this team finally is kind of coming together and putting together a team that you would have liked to seen a couple months ago. Um, <laughs> you know, if you see all these a couple months ago, we're not talking about the wall card. We're talking about this, this series with the Brewers that's coming up and the series is next week being, you know, key for the division. Um, I mean, the Cardinals still have, you know, the Brewers magic number is still three. So, I mean, I guess there's a chance. I mean, <laughs> some, the Cardinals don't want to lose again that, okay, that's fine. Um, but still, I mean, the, the fact that we are here, I mean, a, a team that is now 10 games over 500 after spending what, three, four months under 500? Yeah. I mean, it would, and never being able to really, like you say, to get any momentum, get any traction. Um, and then it's all kind of, you know, come together. The, you know, Adam Wainwright has led the rotation, but they've been getting just enough out of the guys like Lester and Half, who came over and apparently needed a good defense behind them because they've been remarkable. Um, and then, um, you know, some of the other bullpen arms as well. Um, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. You're right. I mean, and this weekend, I mean, it helps with the fact that you have the 2011 team in the house for most of, especially on Saturday, but just, I mean, just hearing that through the, to the, um, the TV, I mean, not even being there, just, just hearing that buzz, hearing people chanting Yachty and hearing the roar of the crowd, it made it feel like baseball was back more than we've seen all year long. Yeah. Well, it, it serves as evidence, if not proof, that Cardinals fans weren't staying home from games because they just decided they don't like baseball anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> they were staying home from games because the product wasn't worth spending money on for a long time. And, you know, the, the last eight games does not negate everything that we've said about this team for the rest of the season because mm. all of that happened and all of that was true and all of that was very hard to watch but it's kind of poetic i suppose that this weekend happened in conjunction with the celebration of the 2011 team because that was another team that uh, for a lot of <laughs> games that year was not really fun to watch and you know, there was a moment that, you know, even Chris Carpenter talked about, hey, the fans deserve better. Mm -hmm. That we, we owe it to them to put on a show for the end of the season and see what happens. Well, all of a sudden, the Cardinals of 2021 are putting on a show again. And whether we're talking about Dylan Carlson hitting grand slams or robbing home runs or Tyler O'Neill just taking over all of the things and you know down to the the post game quotes um yeah. or it's Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado doing what they've done a lot of this season just doing it whether it's in front of a larger crowd or at the same time as Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill are playing well and Tommy Edmond continuing to build his case for the role that he has with this team among the thing other things like Adam Wainwright being Adam Wainwright and he wasn't quite as much the uh sort of Cy Young vote getter Adam Wainwright in this last start as he has mm -hmm. been but it wasn't anything to complain about in terms of what he's been all season so there was like I said something poetic to seeing the celebration of the 20 
eleven team, and knowing that they spent a little time with the current players and with yeah. guys who, the the few players remaining from that team with the Cardinals, and I'm sure there were conversations about like, hey. <laughs> The rest of the season up to this point doesn't matter. You're you control what happens from here on out. And you know, you've seen from the last two series that they're they're certainly capable. So weird to kind of be sitting here talking about the the strong position they're in for that wild card spot. But like I said, the reality is up until now. <laughs> hasn't been great. I know I heard John Mazalek on um, the pregame today saying that well, things really kind of leveled out around July 4th. And that's <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> but <laughs> they have slowly built since then with some of the additions. Garcia, McFarland, even Wade LeBlanc at the time, who isn't a factor now, but definitely steady to the ship. I, I found it uh, a bit comical that John Mazalek's um, explanation of their goal with the additions of the uh, the arms, McFarland, Garcia, Hap, Lester, was to, I believe his phrase was, mitigate the hemorrhaging. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Which I found quite comical and uh, a bit of a, a notation on what their goal actually was there. Um, just, just, just stop the bleeding. That's all we're trying to do. <laughs> Great. Cool. Good. Glad the expectations were set really high there. But those things did steady the ship enough over the course of a month or so that it put them in the position to make this run as it is now. And the offense is stepping up. The pitching is somehow clinging to uh, slim leads like they haven't all season. And here we are talking about a, a three game lead for the last wild card spot. When most of the year we've said, this is a team that has no business sniffing no. A, a post game spot or a post season spot, right. not post game. <laughs> they didn't deserve the post game buffet no. either. So it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah. July 4th, the Cardinals were after that loss on July 4th, they were 41 and 44, um, 10 games out of the division. And fourth in the division so mm -hmm. to some degree yeah it that, that is about where it kind of bottomed out after a terrible terrible july june um not that it got just immediately better right it's just kind of you know it, it, it stopped they mitigated the, the hemorrhaging yeah they stopped yeah. the bleeding but they didn't sew up the wound <laughs> for a while so um but uh yeah and and speaking of tyler o'neill i mean I honestly can't imagine anybody else is going to be player of the week, you know, right. in, in baseball. I mean, he hit almost 400 this week, had three home runs, two of which were, you know, eighth inning, basically game winners. Um, and we've seen, we've seen somebody, like you said, he, great quotes, uh, everything else. We've seen so much of that development out of him this year. And boy, I tell you, I'm, the fact that he didn't get tossed out on either one of those terrible strikeout calls yeah. beforehand was probably a testament to his maturity as well, because I'm pretty sure everybody that was watching the thing wanted him to get tossed or somebody to get tossed out um, by pitches that were somewhere in the next state getting called strikes um, for him to just, you know, express his displeasure, but keep going and then be in the game 
when this kind of thing happened. Um, you know, the 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 Tyler O'Neill that this team, this this front office, always thought they were going to get has finally shown up this year, and it makes them look like they know what they're doing. Yeah, well, not only stay in the game, but stay in the moment, stay in mm. his own game enough to not be so freaked out by those two strikeout calls that he just flailed wildly <laughs> at right. every pitch in that right. next at bat because it was it was absurd the amount of space the batters had to cover with that strike zone that day and completely guess at what was or what wasn't the outside corner of the next area code Mm -hmm. um so to make his point stay in the game and then keep his cool enough to just sort of brush it off know what he was up against and go up there with the right frame of mind with the focus with the ability to trust himself in his ability as a hitter and you know the home run Look, that, that's where the fireworks were, right? But a hit there at all continues the momentum that was building at that point in the game. Right. So um, he's been really impressive to watch with his approach at the plate. And I know we have spent a lot of time talking about maybe the approach is bad for most <laughs> of the hitters on this team. But for Tyler O'Neill, it really seems like he's finding a, a, a calm and he's finding a consistency in like I said, being able to trust his ability as a hitter, but also being able to read the moment, not just guess at the pitches he's going to be facing, fight off pitches that are, are tough, but too hard to hit and get better at, at, you know, hitting a variety of different pitches in different locations and not becoming as predictable of a hitter as we've seen uh, some guys with his, his level of talent in the past. So it's been great to watch him develop that mindset and the ability to kind of control the, the mental side of the game as much as anything else. Plus, I mean, everything that he hits is hit hard. (laughs) So, you know, when he makes good contact that good things are going to happen more often than not. So, that's uh, a fun bonus to watching his um, his approach at the plate continue to grow is that, you know, it results in a lot more moments like that. Yeah. And sometimes the ball, it just has to go. It has yeah, to go. Just for has the to go. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a great, I, the, just the idea of Tyler. I mean, the whole thing of Tyler, Neal, because not only does he, you know, have those moments, but his speed is remarkable. Um, for a guy, not not even just for a guy his size, it's just remarkable. Period. And then to play the defense that he plays, I mean, it's the all around package. And I mean, you think about where he is in his career right now. You know, it's a his tw- age twenty six season. I mean, in theory, if he you know if he's got a kind of a curve like most players, he still got you know another level to hit. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun to see. And it's going to be interesting to see how much the Cardinals, you know, kind of hitch their wagon to him maybe as the, you know, part of that next generation of of stars that's coming up. I hope that there's not so much hype after this season that 
the thing that we see too often where a player has a great year and then struggles to live up to it happens. Mm -hmm. I know we talk about Harrison Bader with that, but you know, it it happens in other organizations as well. Think about Jason Hayward and his rookie year, and he's spent an entire career trying to live up to that. So it happens all the time. And I don't know that there's a great way to avoid it because you don't want to minimize the impact of somebody who kind of comes into their own and has a great year. I think one advantage that Tyler O'Neill has is that this has been a long time coming. Right. This is not necessarily a, a flash in the pan. Oh, who's this kid that just came up from the minors kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This is something that they've wanted to see from him for a long time. They being the the Cardinals as an organization, but didn't quite have the right pl- people in place to give him that full-time opportunity. So you know, we talked at the beginning of the year, as a lot of people did, that this was a huge year for Tyler O'Neill to kind of make or break what his career looked like, at least in St. Louis, going forward. And it was a huge year for the front office that has spent a lot of time saying, well, we need to see what these guys have <laughs> to get some return on that investment in Tyler O'Neill and not come to the conclusion that only outfielders who got traded were going to be good at baseball. <laughs> so... Uh, props to Tyler O'Neill for for helping them out on uh, on the ratio there, <laughs> but seriously, you know it'll be interesting to see what they do. I-, I hope that with players like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado still in place, and the addition of Dylan Carlson, who we haven't really talked about yet, but he's found a really solid groove as of late and has been very impressive. Not that that's unexpected from Carlson. But it was a bit of a slow build for him as well to get to that point where he he looks like he belongs. He looks like he's finding his place with this team and as a major leaguer. So there are enough guys in that lineup as it exists right now that Tyler O'Neill shouldn't have to be the guy. And I think that's probably a good thing going forward following a year like this where he doesn't have to be the guy that all the offense builds off of, but he can, you know, on any given night be the guy that turns things around for the team and, and carries them for a series or carries them for a month. But, you know, has the, the team has more than one option. So there's not quite the same weight to living up to that expectation every single night. Yeah. It's also good timing for him as he hits arbitration this year. So yeah. for the first time, so that should be, should be interesting to see if the Cardinals approach to uh, some sort of long-term contract to maybe buy out those arbitration years this offseason, depending on, as we always have to caveat, um, what the CBA turns out to be. But uh, yeah, but Dylan Carlson, you're right. We, this whole outfield has been really remarkable. And, you know, Al- Alan and I talked about it on um, Friday and Friday morning, of course, we said that, I, that Carlson had been good, but maybe not to the level because we had a very high expectations for Carlson, you know, coming in and expecting rookie of the year stuff. And then, of course, he goes and hits two home runs and catches balls <laughs> that are like, you know, go, going through a wall to catch a ball. So, um, Alan and I are going to pick a player every week and try to dog on them, see how that goes. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, we, we do expect a lot from these guys. I mean, we see guys like, Fernando Tatis come up and just dominate the league or, or Vladimir Guerrero come up and just dominate like first year or second year. A lot of star players don't do that. They have that solid first year, which is what Carlson's having and then continue to build from that. I don't think, I don't think there's any way to say that this year has been a disappointment for Carlson. Um, 
it's very interesting to see how he is coming to into his own now that you know the spotlight isn't necessarily all on him with Tyler O'Neill taking over. Yeah, it's been interesting the comparison between the Vlad Guerrero and Tatis and Carlson mm. conversations. Not because Carlson got off to such a slow start where the other two didn't, but because I mean, realistically, they're very different players. But they each have the potential to be not not just the star. And I think Carlson, and I don't certainly don't mean this in any sort of negative way, he doesn't scream star power in right. the sense of the, um, the fireworks all the yeah. time, the flashiness, the, the swagger, right? But he, to me, is the kind of player that can anchor a lineup for a long time. And I don't even mean anchor in the sense of being the best hitter that the team has, but can be a consistent threat that gives you length and that gives you the defensive ability that gives you the home run power. But also, you know, you just, you know, he's going to take good at bats every time. And he wasn't always doing that, right? He, there were times early that, he was not taking great at bats. He looked very <laughs> overwhelmed. He looked completely um, overmatched by the moment more often than not. And there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of expectation for him to live up to. And I guess this probably happens all the time, but it seemed that no one faced more bases loaded scenarios <laughs> than Dylan Carlson did. <laughs> and, right you know, that pressure continued to build as well. If he didn't come through that time, then he did. Like I was saying earlier, the negative momentum can be just as effective as the positive momentum sometimes. But it's almost like he he kind of was able to take a step back in the shadow, if you will, of Nolan Arenado and Tyler O'Neill, and even Adam Wainwright in terms of headlines this season. And then just figure it out, one at bat at a time. And, you know has he been the fireworks flash sensation that those other two rookies have been? No, but he's begun to look every bit as impressive as we expected him to as a rookie. And I mean, no better time than when the Cardinals are are making a push for the playoffs. And when the defense has become almost as valuable as the offensive production from those outfielders because, well, the pitching was designed to uh, mitigate the hemorrhaging, not to, uh, not to win them games directly. So that defense, as you mentioned earlier, has become so important to the Jay Happ starts and the John Lester starts. And, you know, that's not to eliminate the effect in Adam Wainwright starts, but it's just, it's shown up more often in more dramatic ways. And you feel like you can almost expect that at this point from this outfield. And Dylan Carlson's yeah. one of those guys. So yeah, that's sort of a long way to say he doesn't come with the same kind of headline grabbing nature as some of the other phenomenal rookies in the game right now. But what he's done in the last week or so is what we've seen at times throughout the season but he feels more settled. He feels like he's gaining confidence with every big play. And the moment doesn't seem too big for him at this point. And it did at, at times earlier this season. 
Yeah, yeah, he's definitely coming into his own. And even if he doesn't win the Rookie of the Year, he's he's got a long and and uh, eventful probably career ahead of him. Um, speaking of the pitching a little bit, I think we probably should give some credit to Mike Schiltz because a lot of us have wondered um, if Mike Schiltz has the creative flexibility to run a bullpen in maybe the most optimal ways. And there's still some question about that. You know, this idea that they never really named Giovanni Gallegos the closer, even though he's gotten pretty much every save since then. Um, and he's had a chance at every save, let's put it that way. Um, but what we have seen this week with Alex Reyes really is somewhat creative, right? We've seen him pitch the eighth inning, but then today we saw him pitch, you know, the fifth and the sixth. We've seen him kind of coming in at different places as they tried to build up his innings, but also maybe use him in a in a spot that's, you know, where a fire needs to be put out or something of that nature. But, you know, usually not with runners on if they can help it. Um, it's a little bit, it's, it's not as textbook as it's the sixth inning, now it's Alex Reyes. And that, even if it's a small step, is something different than we've been seeing out of the bullpen for a while. It's interesting. Several weeks ago now, I, we discussed an idea that I proposed in terms of Mike Schultz's greatest strength being kind of that player development mm-hmm. part of what he does so well. Not necessarily the... Uh, <laughs> go for the win every time part (laughs) of what he does, which is not what you do in the minor leagues, right? You play to win, but your, your entire purpose is to develop players into major league caliber talent. And he did that very well. He did that to, you know, the extent that everyone who's played for him at the minor league level that we have ever heard from speaks of him in such glowing terms. And I bring that up again to say what we've seen in sort of this rebuilding of Alex Reyes' confidence is kind of what Mike Schilt is the best at in that developmental sense, right? Because he took a guy whose confidence was shattered. His skill set was not necessarily diminished, but it was um, muddled (laughs) at best in terms of Alex Reyes getting the most out of what he's capable of doing or even remembering or getting back to or understanding what that looks like from a mechanics standpoint as well as a mental standpoint and part of that developmental process with coaches and managers at the minor league level is kind of working a guy back in after struggling so it has been very interesting to see where Reyes has been used to see his reactions to those sort of slow building confidence boosters of clean innings or, you know, at least getting out of the inning with his team still in the lead or whatever it might be, because that seems to be where Mike Schultz is at his best in terms of, I'm going to do something that seems unconventional, but I know what I'm doing and I know how it's going to help this guy get to where he's capable of being. And I, I don't know that I've, I've thought about it in those terms until sitting down to talk about it tonight, but I see that part of Mike Schilt's skill set coming to play in a scenario like this, where whether it's creativity 
that we want to call it, or if you call it, you know, just sort of that intuition about how to get a player back on track Mm -hmm. that he did way more in the minor leagues than you have time to do most days, (laughs) most weeks in the major leagues. And this is kind of where he shines with that part of the job description. So I don't know that that would translate to creativity if everyone was at their best. (laughs) Um, I think strategically, he sometimes falls back into those uh, regularities that we saw so often that repeated themselves when they seemed like they shouldn't have. Um, But when something's broken, (laughs) he's spent a lot of time learning how to fix it and how to get Mm -hmm. a guy to their potential. And, uh, you know, I, I can appreciate that part of the intent as well as, and maybe this is where the creativity factors in. We talked about this before. (laughs) There's no one else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, they have to cover innings and they're important innings every single night. And Alex Reyes has to be a part of that in some way at this point. There just, there just aren't enough other, enough other options. So to me, that's, you know, the creative aspect of how do we keep Alex Reyes in this puzzle because we have to have another arm <laughs> to cover those <laughs> innings, but do it in a way that maintains the team's ability to win to the best of, of their ability and also kind of rebuilds and reestablishes some of what Alex Reyes does so well physically and mentally. And, you know, for the most part, has it been flawless? No, it's not, you know, a flawless um, course back to where maybe he once was, but it's given him the opportunity to to succeed more often than not. And that's obviously what's best for the team. Yeah. Um, and, and it probably also helps that they are wanting him to be a starter next year. So he can, he knows he can send out Alex Reyes for two innings. Sure. And, but I, I've got to admit, I was really expecting him to, okay, well, we'll find a time for Alex Reyes to pitch two innings, but that's it, you know, and to see him pitch middle of the game, then come back mm-hmm. and pitch the end of the game. Um, and then go back and pitch the middle of the game in a different game um, was interesting to me. Um, yeah. But you're right. I think that's a really good point that it, it helps, helps get Alex Reyes back online. And I know Alex Reyes says, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, I'm a club, you know, we just forget about these things and I don't carry yeah. them over, but I, it's gotta be difficult <laughs> to do that. I mean, I mean, I, you know, body language say says otherwise, <laughs> right. I, there was a, there was a little bit of that. So, um, but it's nice to see him kind of get back to it and uh, get yeah. back to being successful. And, and he has been, um, since that time in, in Milwaukee, um, but the rest of the bullpen, well, it's getting a little bit shaky, it feels <laughs> like. Um, and I, I, you know, I don't know if, especially, you know, guys like Garcia and McFarland. I mean, both of them got hit today. Garcia lost his scoreless streak. McFarland's been hit a little bit more this this week, it feels like. In fact, if it wasn't for Lars Snoopbar going over the wall, we <laughs> might have had a different story about Mr. McFarland this week. Um but you, like you said, there's there's not only oh not only is there not anybody out there, the people that are out there, they're not using. Yeah. Um, Andrew Miller's pitched once this week. He you know 
pitched the three well. batters. <laughs> yeah, I got nobody out. And um, um, and Daniel Ponce de Leon got one out, walked four guys, and then got into it with Yadier Molina. And he hasn't pitched since then. Um, you know, in, in a normal September, I don't think we'd, we'd even think about this because you have all those arms out there. But with an only a twenty man, a twenty eight man roster, and with you know guys like Hap and Lester so far has seemed to go a little bit deeper. But Hap, mm-hmm. Woodford, even Michaelis, maybe not getting through the fifth, or maybe a situation where you want to pinch hit for those guys early on before it gets out of hand. And to have you know a couple of guys, and then there's just a Miller who's just going to kind of be used, I think, in in mop up duty. To have like three guys out there that you're not going to trust in a you know a game you're winning, it makes it difficult on these other arms. And I, I mean, not that again, I don't know that you like you've said that's all they got. <laughs> um, but I don't. I'm I'm a half afraid. You know, anytime these guys come out now, that that wear and tear is going to start to get to them. That's been my primary concern with the success of McFarland and Garcia as it is, right? Because this mm-hmm. is a bit of a departure from what their seasons were up until this point. And you know, that's not to say they can't carry it all the way through, but the the track record would indicate that they are not immune to struggles and this team can't really afford those struggles at this point. Right. And there just there just isn't much as far as backup there's not much as far as, you know, alternatives or reinforcements. And I don't know that the struggles this week are more than a blip on the radar for those two, but we've talked the last several weeks that those two guys in particular were for a time, the only thing keeping the Cardinals bullpen afloat. Mm -hmm. And when you know, we were talking, okay, maybe Garcia needs to be the closer. Maybe, you know, you use TJ McFarlane later in games instead of only in the fifth inning to get to the sixth after Lester doesn't go deep, whatever it is. Um, because they had been so successful. Can they adapt, I guess, is part of the question. Because, you know, maybe the opponents are have seen a little bit more of them at this point and um, know what it is that they've changed since coming to the Cardinals. And are are adapting on the offensive side of things. I don't know. It's um it's concerning because there isn't another option. <laughs> Those guys that are in there have to figure out how to get it done. And you're right about the guys that aren't pitching right now. If you think about a postseason roster, those are not guys that you would put on your postseason roster because you're not going to use them. But at this point, <laughs> if any of those sort of what five regulars at this point, I guess six mm-hmm. add Cody Whitley into that mix. who's yeah, pitched pretty yeah. well. Um, if any one of those guys loses their mojo for more than a game or two, you would like to think that those three spots on the roster are serving some purpose other than pitching in games that are already out of control. So concerning uh, something to keep an eye on throughout this week, but Maybe they rebound just like, you know, Gallegos has done after a couple of uh, tough losses on his mm-hmm. part, and they they figure that out too. But it, I think it's definitely something that has to be on the minds of the coaching staff just because of the reality of <laughs> the grind that it is to finish this out, to 
get to that wild card game, as well as the limited arms available to cover quite a few innings without starting pitchers who are known to go deep in, into games. Yeah. I, you don't want the Cardinals to lose at all, obviously. It would be great to run this streak out to 12 <laughs> or 13 or whatever. But if they're going to lose a game, it would not be the worst thing for them to lose You know, a game where they give up like four runs in the first and a couple runs in the second. And feel feel comfortable to use Daniel Ponce de Leon and right. Andrew Miller and all those guys and, and let all those arms because the rest. <laughs> right. I mean, cause yeah. right now, you know, you've got Jake Woodford going tomorrow night um, against the Brewers. And if they keep that close when Woodford leaves in the fourth or the fifth or whatever, you know, if it's a one run game, if it's a you know one run lead or whatever, they're not going to turn it over to, to Andrew Miller, I don't think, mm-hmm. or, and definitely not to Ponce de Leon. They're going to go back to Alex Reyes or um, Luis Garcia or JJ McFarland or, or whatever. And there's going to come a night when those guys can't pitch. Yeah. And, you know, so I, you know, again, I'm not, I, you know, I think Mike Schultz would rather, you know, try to figure that out and see how he's going to hold a one run lead. But, um, you know, losing a game. And it, and it may come down to the point where Daniel Ponce de Leon does have to pitch in a game that they're leading by one and they wind yep. up losing by three or something yep. like that. And you just have to suck it up a deal because as you may have heard, you can't pitch the same guys every night. Um, <laughs> I've been told, I've been told. <laughs> and yet we see the same guys almost every night. Yeah. <laughs> I should correct myself though. I said, there's no reinforcements coming. Apparently Dakota Hudson <laughs> is coming. Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you about. It seems a little bit weird to me that Dakota Hudson has what had at least three rehab starts, maybe four. Uh We're down here to 14 games left for the Cardinals. And they think he, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but they want him to take another rehab start on Wednesday, which means what, even if he's going to pitch out of the bullpen, he probably couldn't pitch till Saturday or Sunday, you're basically going to have Dakota Hudson for the last week. And if they're trying to get him to be starter level, which is what they're talking about, what, like 75 pitchers or something, he's going to make, I mean, it seems like a lot of work for the fact that he's not going to be able to do anything this year. He might get one outing out of him and that's it. Yeah. It, it's very strange mm-hmm. in the, to sort of function of this return for Dakota Hudson. I think it also speaks volumes about their confidence in the starters uh, as the rotation exists currently. And, you know, I don't even even necessarily mean that in some sort of backhanded negative. Oh, they don't trust their guys. It just, there's some dose of reality that we've all had to acknowledge this season with the starting rotation that has been anything but what they drew it up to be. And if you think about Jack Flaherty, who may or may not make another appearance for the Cardinals this season, they would like him to, but what that role looks like is, is TBD. Um, And you just mentioned Michaelis, not really known for going super deep into games, although, you know, he's pitched okay as of late. Lester, Hap, Woodford, certainly not known for going deep into games. I mean, all of those 
things come into play when you start talking about, okay, we don't have great bullpen arms outside of these six. And there's three roster spots that we're really not using because we don't trust those guys in close games. And we're pretty much playing only close games right now. So what happens when Woodford goes three innings? Mm-hmm. You know, What do you do to cover the next three innings to get you back on track for those guys in the bullpen? Um, so I get the value of a Dakota Hudson type player coming back into the mix just because it's an extra arm that isn't worn out at this point. Now, whether it's reliable and trustworthy coming off of uh, a long injury rehab, who knows? Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting risk to take. It's sort of a strange process as far as the timing, because even if he, even if he is effective as a starter (laughs) i'm not sure that one game is really gonna save the bullpen all that much (laughs) i guess you could use him in the postseason but only if you get past the wild card game so i I don't know it's all all very strange to me I, i think it just like i said highlights the need for arms to get through some of those innings but the way they're going about it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me at this point. I'm willing to concede that maybe I just don't see it the way that they see it right now. Um, so hopefully it all works out swimmingly, but very strange to me at this point. Yeah. I mean, I get that they don't want to push Hudson because, you know, he could be, you know, he's got a career ahead of him, you right. would think. Um but in that case, why are we even talking about him coming yeah. back this year? I mean, why don't we, you know, exactly. do the rehab, give him a pat on the back, and then go? If you want to have him up, but I mean, he pitched the last two outings, his last two rehab starts. He has thrown four rehab starts. His last two have been five innings each, and the one before that was four. And I don't have a pitch count right here with me, but if he's going five innings, even in Memphis, you figure he can go three or four in the big leagues. And that's really all you're getting out of your starters anyway. (laughs) Um, I don't know if this is a situation where, you know, they want to see what Jack Flaherty's going to do. And if Flaherty's able to come back, because that roster is weird. I mean, we've talked about the guys that they're not using right now, but there's nobody. Cody Whitley's about the only guy that has options. Yeah. Um, and he and I don't think they're going to send him down. You know, maybe they're hesitant to let a Justin Miller, or a Ponce de Leon, or somebody like that go um, to try to make this work. Um, but and, and maybe they're willing to get rid of one, but not two. And if Flaherty's coming back, they'll hold off on Hudson. I don't know. It doesn't feel like Flaherty's coming back. I don't really see that. Um, so I, I don't get it. I mean, it's just. I mean, when I you know when I heard that they were going to do another start. It's just like, you know, what, what's the point? What are you going to get out of this? But, and again, they know more about this stuff than, than I do and, and everything, but it feels like, and, and there's a lot of guys, we, you talked about Alex Reyes. You also have KK out in the bullpen that can cover two to three innings a night True. if necessary. Yeah. Um, we haven't really seen KK do that yet. Um, another guy that doesn't get used a lot because he's pretty much that reliever under glass a little bit. But um, but bringing in another guy with Hudson that could throw two or three innings, it should give you some flexibility. It gives you the ability to pinch it for a starter, you know, that might be struggling early on, or if a good opportunity comes along to get offense. I don't know. It's, it seems very strange to me, but uh, I'm sure everything will be revealed. Um, Dakota <laughs> Hudson is still also walking people like he 
always has walked people. So um, I, I hope they're not waiting. They're not going to keep him down until he stops walking people because that's just never <laughs> going to happen. Especially um, this season. It's yeah. just part of the story. Maybe they just need Maybe they're waiting for that good bases loaded situation so they can bring him in and get that record. You know, um, that's what they're looking for. Um, before we wrap it up tonight, we should probably note since two weeks ago, we had a discussion whether Matt Carpenter would get another hit for the Cardinals. <laughs> and for most of that two weeks, we looked kind of, kind of smart saying that he might not. Um, gets a double Saturday night against the of course he would right i mean it, it felt like that was if if matt carpenter was ever we did not get a hit on the night of the 2011 <laughs> reunion people he probably never would again it just it just had that feel right i mean he had to get and it had to be a double too um it was it was a celebration of cardinal history and that's that's matt carpenter's cardinal history it is. And one more moment that, like I said, felt pretty poetic, but also mm. I, I may have laughed out loud because <laughs> I immediately uh, wanted to continue that conversation with you and acknowledge it happened. He did it. Yes. It might not happen again, but he got that one and we'll always have that. And that is the good thing that if, if Matt Carpenter goes another O for 31, which he really can't because he's not going to get that many at bats <laughs> the rest of the year. But if he doesn't get another hit for this in these two weeks, then it will go out with a double. Although I think that the the hit that he had in August was also a double. So, you know, <laughs> he, he still had that anyway. But um, and yeah, he has that one last moment. And again, you know, a moment in front of a packed house of people that really appreciated the double. You know what I'm saying? I, he got a chance to yeah. pinch hit. He didn't strike out. He got the double. So he didn't hear the booze or anything of that nature. Um in Matt fact, Carpenter's it was quite the ovation. It, yeah. I don't know if it was more for Matt Carpenter or for the significance of that double in the moment as yeah. far as the game was concerned. But nonetheless, good for him to have that ovation. And it was his 300th double, right. which is a nice little bit of history since, Matt, since uh, Adam Wainwright um, couldn't get some of those strikes that uh, the other side did and couldn't get his 2000th strike out <laughs> as a Cardinal. He'll have to do that against the Brewers on, uh, on Thursday on YouTube. In case you know, I mean, there you go. To take a guy, I think it's kind of a little bit ironic, right? A guy that's <laughs> pitched for so long, <laughs> you know, so long that you know, back when he started, we didn't have. I mean, you couldn't stream a game. Mm -hmm. You know, most of us. I mean, heck, I even wasn't blogging when he started. I mean, I didn't, you know, uh, that's how far you're old, Adam. I, I you're know old, Adam. <laughs> that's how far back it goes. <laughs> and then to see him get you know some major milestone on the on the newfangled YouTube's. Uh, mm -hmm. it's pretty kind of pretty interesting. So, um, so we'll be working with you next week. Probably. I, I mean, I'd love to say it, but probably not after an undefeated week. Um, <laughs> but if so, then, you know, we'll, we'll talk, we'll have a lot of fun with that, but Listen, uh, I'm just going to say the only way the Cardinals could probably top 2011 is to do what you said earlier and just not lose again. That, that it, might top 2011. So Yeah, I mean, heck, <laughs> not lose again. Maybe Milwaukee has a little bit of issues. Maybe they take the division, and that would top 2011 right yes. there. Yes, Because, you know, 11 and a half out with 14 to play, um, <laughs> that's something. Phillies did lose, so the Cardinals have a full three-game lead on the Reds and three and a half on the Padres and Phillies. So, you know, as much as the Reds have a have a comfortable schedule the rest of the way, 
they have not played that well. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know what the playoff odds are. I know it's gotten over 50%, but you, f- you feel pretty good now. There's no guarantee. It was, what, what do we say? T- wasn't it 2018 we've talked about that they got that, got snuck in there with like the last <laughs> week or so and then fell right back out? Mm-hmm. Um, no guarantees, but you got to like where they're at. Yeah, it's it feels much better than <laughs> anything has in a long time, at least since, you know, probably, honestly, since the Cardinals were near or at the top of the division early in the season and then mm-hmm. kind of plummeted from there. This feels like a much better spot to be in, which, again, kind of like the whole we just want to stop the bleeding thing sort of a low bar (laughs) (laughs) but it feels much better than watching that low bar um continue to be a further distance from where you might land to not reach the flow bar (laughs) so that's right so all right well tara and i will be with you next week and we'll talk about whatever that week is of the brewers and the cubs so until next time uh that's tara i'm daniel good night hey cardinals fans thanks for listening to this week's show If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.